All right, welcome back to What Is and What Could Be with Michael Clark, Architect. Thank you for joining me again. It's a pleasure to be here with you today as we talk through what it feels like to collaborate with an architect and what is involved in realizing an architectural project. We talk through the creative thinking behind the design of spaces and places. And today I wanted to do a shorter episode and talk about this idea of the architect's role and potential design, development, discussion, debate, dialogue that can occur during construction. In a previous episode, I spoke a little bit about this, referencing a story. And here I'm going to go through this idea again using a story. And that's partly why I wanted to do a part two, because I thought this is a story worth telling. Now remember, we're challenging this idea that design stops at some point and then you begin some other undertaking. In my opinion, and the opinion of many, design doesn't stop, it changes focus. And it might seem extreme to think that there is still design during construction. I am not saying that we're starting again with broad brush ideas about room sizes, configuration, connection to site, inside, outside. I'm more saying we focus on certain elements relative to where we're at, in this case building, most notably in collaboration with the artisans that are now on board as the realizers of our design, being the construction team. And this one was a story from 11 years ago now. Just had to check a date on something. I felt like I had a bit of a mental blank, sorry about that. But it was when I was working at a company prior to starting my own practice. I'd been there for about 10 years. Uh, not at the point where we started to develop this, uh, this thing I'm about to describe. I think then I was in my seventh year or so, but it was a company called Zanes Associates. T-Z-A-N-N-E-S, a very reputable firm that have won a lot of awards. The director and founder, Alex Zanes, was very uh, important to me and my development as a professional and a, a mentor, as were many other people in that office. And we we're working on this big project Sorry, I should also note, just uh, as, as a comment, that Alec has won the single greatest individual prize an Australian architect can win, being the gold medal. It's sort of like a version of the Hall of Fame or thereabouts, a Lifetime Achievement Award. And uh, yeah, as I said, has won a lot of awards. And I mentioned this in a podcast with, uh, with a, a friend of mine, Ruby Marsh, who runs... Uh, a podcast called True to You. Uh, Ruby and I used to work there and there's this uh, very interesting part of the old office that they're now no longer in that always struck me as a very interesting branding exercise where you would go to the bathroom and on your way to the bathroom you would see a bookcase or the back of a bookcase. Oh no, it was a bookcase on one side and then on the other side this hall, sorry, this wall full of awards a lot of awards that they'd won over the years and the awards grew and grew and grew and grew and they took over a lot of other parts of the office but they seem to have started on this wall on your way to the bathroom and I, 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 I just I think about it now because I'm working through branding and marketing and all those sorts of things that it was kind of cool in a way to say that even 
as a guest, as a staff member or whoever you are in that office on your way to something as practical and perhaps nondescript as going to the bathroom, you were reminded where you were and what they'd achieved. I think there's something special to be said there. But anyway, uh, enough on that. This, uh, this particular project we were working on was a large house and this, uh, this house had what we call greater solid to void ratios as it presented externally. And that's maybe fancy speak in architecture, this idea of solid and void is something we, we refer to a lot, where the openings or fenestration, that is the openings to the facade, windows, doors and the like, they are smaller in proportion to the wall. So there is more wall, there is more solid, then there is void, window, opening and the like. And that's a fairly common thing to see with heritage uh, buildings, older buildings, mainly because of the construction techniques at that time, but sometimes it's also an expression thing. And uh, I don't need to go into that except to say that the extension that we were looking at was against this greater solid than void structure or part of the house. And we wanted to contrast that with a glazed pavilion. So I'm now going to tell you this story about an aspect to that glazed pavilion. And one of the problems with glazed pavilions, if you want to call it a problem or a design thing to resolve, is how you turn the corner. Imagine the glazed pavilion, which means an enclosure that, well, in the case of a pavilion is, is very standard, standing and more rectilinear, uh, more of a rectangle than any other shape, which this was. And it had three, uh, three walls before it met the rest of the house. And those walls were glazed, quite dramatic, tall glazing, because we wanted it to be this open looking thing, greater void, like substantially greater void than solid when in contrast to the rest of the building. But how you turn the corner is the interesting question. And we've seen glazed pavilions a lot in, in architecture and they all turn the corner differently. And why is that a tricky thing to resolve? Well, if you've got glass or glass sliding doors, fixed glass, meeting fixed glass, at some point you've got to deal with uh, resistance to wind, other gravity loads, uplift, all those sort of things. And, you know, arguably you could just do it with glass meaning glass or glass frame meaning glass frame and not worry about the rest. But at some point you've got to have something that holds up the roof or can hold up other elements. And this was no small space. It was big in footprint. It was also tall, about six, seven meters tall. And so we had to have something solid when we were turning that corner, not just the last bit of uh, window frame or glass meaning glass at a silicon joint. A lot of the structural resolution, like the bulk of the component of, of the of the space that was holding up the roof was by way of a circular column that was inside of this glazing line, so free of the glazing components. So the structure isn't necessarily holding up the roof, it's more, you know, acting as, as bracing for the lateral loads this wind would sustain. Now, getting a bit too technical here and that's not my intention. Either way, I just want to say that you're turning the corner, it couldn't just be glass, it couldn't just be a continuation of the framing, it had to be something else. And what was that something else? Well, in this case, the uh, intention was to kind of have a dissolving corner, not transparent, 
because you could argue transparency is a form of dissolving, but reflective. Alec was very keen on the time at looking at this idea of a reflective surface. He was very much interested in the work of Amish Kapoor. Amish Kapoor is a fantastic installation artist, a sculptor that does these incredible pieces in mirror finished stainless steel. And they're, they're beautiful, some of them are amorphic, some of them are, you know, less contorted, distorted. In that respect, they're more uh, simple geometry. But either way, it's this idea that the object almost looks like a non-object because it's reflecting, it's not, you know, it's not holding light per se, it's reflecting light. And it can be quite confronting, I've got to say, I had the benefit of seeing a, an Amish Kapoor exhibition at the Museum of Contemporary Art sometime around 2011 or, or thereabouts from memory. So close to when we were working on this project, so it was great timing. And you're looking at these pieces, but actually you're looking at yourself. <laughs> In that sense, it was really confronting because you're trying to appreciate this, this shape, these connection details, how it's all working, but you're just still looking at yourself and getting past that conceptually was, was tricky because some of these are distorted pieces of, of metal. And so you're looking at yourself as if you're in a fun house or even if it's not distorted, you are looking at yourself saying what a great artwork, but are you in fact being vain? And I can remember on occasion thinking, oh, maybe I haven't shaved properly or, or brushed my hair or, or something. Interesting, interesting thing to work through. Either way, this is what we wanted to look at. And the concern over this six meter height is whether it would be plate steel or sheet steel or what, because we wanted this profile, which was an L. And bear with me as I try and describe this in a bit more detail. So when I say L, I mean, imagine to, imagine a corner, an external corner, meeting not, you know, horizontal line meeting vertical line, but horizontal line meeting a vertical line that turns into a horizontal line before meeting a vertical line. In other words, imagine you've rubbed out the corner. Imagine you've drawn in your mind's eye, draw a horizontal line going to the right. At the end of that right line, draw a vertical line connecting it, then rub the two out for a meter, half a meter, I think it was. And then draw an L, capital L, just to be clear, not a lowercase L. And that forms this trim, this negative cutout to that corner that expresses it, defines it in a particular way. In this case, acknowledges the transition between corner and the remainder of the facade in terms of materials, being glass, transitioning to mirror finished stainless steel that was really reflective to glass. And so where you saw the end, the tip of this capital L, there was thickness. All materials have thickness and we wanted a certain amount of thickness that would be consistent to the proportions that we're working with, which was this six meter high element. And so we looked at 10 millimeter plate steel, which was, you know, cost effective or worked in with the cost of what we imagine this thing would, would be doing, where it was at, what, what it was achieving. And imagine that, that over the height of six, seven meters, and it didn't quite look right. It looked a bit too thin, a bit disproportionate. An architect's labor over proportions, as I've mentioned on other occasions, and this was no exception. And so we said, let's do it as 20 millimeters. 
And we work through that. So you've got this capital L that is two 20 millimeter plates of steel meeting. So again, if you're somewhere where you can move your hands around, I do this a lot. Thank goodness I'm not a thumper. Hopefully I'm not a thumper. I'm not thumping the microphone as I do my flair for the dramatic and move my hands everywhere. But if you have one hand that's, you know, saying hi, high five, and then another one intersecting that, the first one, which for me is my left hand, imagine that's about half a meter width of mirror finished stainless steel going up six meters. And then it meets another one that's half a meter going the other way and up it goes. And we wanted both of those to be 20 millimeters, but 20 millimeter plate is a lot of material, a lot of expense for the material when in fact we only want to express that 20 millimeters in one elevation, looking directly in front of the vertical of this L tip. So in other words, the fact that it's half a meter of 20 millimeters is not something you'll ever appreciate because the top and the bottom are obscured or you know not visible. The bottom is obscured by the ground, <laughs> obscured is the wrong word, sorry, concealed by the ground, the top is concealed by the roof structure. So you only see it in one spot. And the fabricator came in and spoke to us about this design intent. So, you know, we put forward an idea and the idea has some problems, both in terms of cost and in terms of fabrication. A 20 millimeter plate of steel, as I understand it, and one day I'll get this fabricator on the show and we'll remember this. But from memory, as it is uh, worked through the machine, it's got these little uh, coil ripples that are very hard to work out. So there's a few problems with that 20 millimeter sheet being the half a meter length in plan and six meter height. So he said, can we use 10 millimeter and express that 20 millimeter by putting two sheets of 10 millimeter together, welding the join seamless, mirror finish stainless. And then uh, after a certain dimension where you don't see this connection, reverting to 10 millimeter plate only which is uh, again, a bit tricky to appreciate, but because the, uh, the component of this was only visible in a certain direction, you could put the two pieces of um, 10 millimeter together for a certain length and that would do the job. And our concern was twofold. What's, how are you gonna connect them and how are you gonna finish this? Uh, we were skeptical that he could finish them seamlessly that you would see a fine join. So imagine, what, what do I mean when I say a fine join? Get one hand that's pointing to the sky as a high five, get another hand pointing to the sky as if you're doing a high five or a, you know, a martial arts chop or whatever. Put them together like you're high-fiving yourself and then look at what you can see. There's a gap. This is a really crude example, but it's the example I'm using. Sorry if it's not good enough. Here I am trying to present a visual idea in, in a, a, an oral medium an audio medium. But you can imagine the crude connection. My finger to finger is completely obvious and that doesn't look very elegant. But he said, I can do your prototype, put it together, weld it and polish that back seamless, perfect. So that you've just got these two 10 millimeter plates that'll work together. And then uh, you've got less material. It's not as heavy. It's cheaper to purchase the material, so on and so forth. Now, we didn't believe this. We were a bit concerned that wasn't going to look so great. So he prepared a prototype. And I, sorry, I think I've forgotten to mention this and I really apologize about this. The, the company, the fabricator, the artisan, the subcontractor was La Fucina by Vincenzo. 
company that is still in operation. Director Enzo Botte, he worked very closely with us to resolve these details and was a pleasure to work with. Anyway, he did a sample, a prototype, and as I was about to say, the so many projects have success stories as a result of preparing these prototypes, you know, the old saying, measure twice, cut once. Well, the more you build something, the better at it you get. And when you're pushing the envelope in this case, better to test it first where the ramifications of the consequences of it not being so great are minor, nondescript or not there at all versus on site when it's, you know, six meters high, half a meter long in two directions. He did, he brought it back and he showed us and I am holding it now, lifting it up and gee, it's a whopper of a piece. And I can see two 10 millimeter plates stuck together. I can only appreciate that when I stare at the top because he made one of them not as long as the other. So I can see this, this uh, what would you call this? An inverted lowercase B, or it is a B. Sorry, I'm suddenly struggling with certain concepts. Uh, but in elevation, when I look at the 20 millimeters, it is flawless, flawless so flawless that I look at it now and it's a heavy piece. It's, you know, I reckon it's up there with three, four kilograms of, of weight, which I could probably appreciate because I do do some resistance training. And I reckon that's what it is. So heaven knows what it would have been over six, seven meters high. But I look at it and I can't see a join. All I can see, as I said, with the Amish Kapoor example is my reflection to a smaller extent than the Amish Kapoor example, because it's 20 millimeters. On the side, when I turn it 90 degrees, it's probably about 100 millimeters, so I can see my reflection. And this sample that I've got, it's about 300 millimeters long. And I can't see a join, but I can see my grubby finger marks over the years of holding it and uh, my reflection. And so why do I still have this piece? Well, I asked if I could keep it. And he said no, he being Enzo said no. And he said he wanted to build something for me as a sort of take home. And so he did. He laser cut my name in it and the year and he formed a little old school desk piece. You might see back in the day when people had to have their names on their desks when open plan offices weren't so much the thing, or maybe there are places where that still occurs. I haven't seen it for a very, very, very long time. But either way, I have it. I have this piece that I call the Michael Clark plaque, a piece of mirror finished stainless steel that sits on my windowsill in front of where I work as a reminder of this great collaboration and this great experience, one of the highlights of my career that I'll remember for a very long time. I did put a post up on Instagram about this in 2022. So if you do want to see it live and how it looks, please go to my Instagram handle. In any case, a very special experience and hopefully an interesting story for you to have heard. And thank you very much for listening. It was special. I look forward to the next time where we can do something similar and work with Enzo and other artisans on these prototypes. It's quite special. So special that I keep them. So special that I make stories out of them. And so special that I look forward to the moment of going through it again. Anyway, that is it for today. As I mentioned, short episode. 
And this discussion as to design, discussion, dialogue, debate that can occur during construction, in this case, the intent for some piece of steel to be mirror finished and how we work through that with the artisan, the fabricator, in this case, La Fucina by Vincenzo. I recommend looking them up and one day maybe I'll get them on the show. I certainly look forward to having a few artisans on this show. Anyway, that's it for me today. Thank you for listening. You've been with Michael Clark, architect at what is and what could be. See you next time.